Welcome to Big Questions, Episode 1. Does God exist? People have thought about God, or gods, since as far back as we have historical records. But are these ideas just fantasy, or is there some truth to them? Was everything we see around us and out to the far reaches of the galaxy created or designed by someone or something? Or did it come into existence on its own? This is a big question. Before we start, it's important to mention that we'll be referring to a specific god in this session, the god of the Bible, as opposed to any gods of any other cultures or traditions, as we believe that the Bible is how God has revealed himself to the world. Many of the arguments for and against God also apply to the existence of other gods or deities, but primarily we'll be talking about the God of the Bible. Also, since this is such a huge subject, this episode is only intended as an overview of some of the more popular arguments on both sides, not an exhaustive investigation of the subject. Hopefully we can go into more detail in a later episode. Hit us up in the comments with any questions. Let's go through the no side first, the argument that God does not exist. Some of the popular arguments on this side are Number 1. No one has ever captured any material evidence for God's existence. Not in a lab, not on camera, and not in a sufficiently well-documented way to be taken as scientific proof or an actual historical fact. Like one of the battles of Napoleon, or the assassination of Julius Caesar. Obviously there were lots of eyewitness accounts in the Bible, but the argument would be that the Bible is not an accurate historical record, and these are just made-up stories. Number two, many of the qualities ascribed to God are logically inconsistent. For example, if God is all-powerful, then could he create a rock too heavy for him to lift? If no, then his creating power is limited. If yes, then his lifting power is limited. Number three, the problem of evil and suffering. If God created this planet and he is a good God, then why is there so much evil and suffering? Especially evil and suffering that is unnecessary, extreme, and happens to innocent people like children. Number four, the rejection of concepts that cannot be falsified. This argument states that if there is no way to prove a concept is false, then it's not a valid concept. So in the case of the existence of God, this argument would say that you can't claim God exists because there is no way to categorically prove God does not exist. Number five, the theory of evolution. The world and all natural organisms came into existence through the process of evolution. Evolution is an entirely natural process that does not require intervention from any intelligent being, and so therefore God isn't needed. Now let's switch to the yes side and quickly summarize some rebuttals to these arguments. So, the first one, yes, believing in a God that you can't see, touch, or hear is very difficult. But God has made it hard on purpose. He wants to challenge people. He wants people to put some effort in. That's why Jesus spoke in parables and at times refused to do miracles. He wanted to leave some room for choice and acting in faith. If believing in God was obvious and a complete no-brainer, then it would be meaningless. But God has given us enough evidence, and unfortunately, people have done their best to come up with as many elaborate theories as they can to explain away the evidence he's given us. You can still see it, but your eyes have to be open. We'll go through these positive proofs in episode 2, but to quickly deal with the historical comment, 
The Bible has been shown over and over again to be historically accurate. There have been many archaeological discoveries over time that have supported the biblical account, and none that have disproved it. In fact, one of the best proofs of the Bible and God is the historical validity of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead, and is one of the ones we'll mention as a positive proof later. The second one is quite interesting, but the problem is with the question, not with any perceived limit on God's power. When God says he is all-powerful, that means he is more powerful than anyone or anything else. This kind of question is asking if God is more powerful than himself, which doesn't make sense and isn't what God is claiming with the term all-powerful. It's like asking if God could beat himself up, or if God could create something that's more powerful than him. All-powerful also doesn't mean there's nothing he can't do, because there's lots of things he can't do. He can't sin, he can't lie, he can't pass false judgment. All-powerful means that he has all the power in the universe, and no one can stand before him. The third one is probably the toughest. If there is a good God that has created the world and cares about the world, why is there so much evil and suffering? Ultimately, it comes down to God's purpose in creating the world in the first place. And that is to fill it with people who freely choose to do good rather than do evil. Evil things have evil consequences and result in suffering, although not always right away. And good things have good consequences and help to alleviate suffering, also not always right away. Of course, there are some things that aren't necessarily good or evil, like nature, whose job is to continually renew and regenerate. But regeneration is equal parts creation of new life and death of old life, and so the circle of life also produces suffering. The question that you might ask would be, but why does God allow people to be capable of such terrible and horrific evil? Why not just a little bit of evil? And one answer could be that God has given people incredible powers of imagination and creativity and intelligence that can be used to solve problems and make life better and accomplish amazing things. Some people choose of their own free will to focus all of that incredible genius and creativity in coming up with more and more evil and terrible things to do. They are abusing the amazing talents and tools that God has given them. If God took our imaginations and creativity away, the world would be a very sad place. And if God took our free will away, we would all be robots, which would also be sad and would defeat his purpose in creating the world. So it's not God's fault. It's our fault for not using the power he's given us responsibly. Number four is a good point, but the concept of the existence of God can be falsified. There are many claims in the Bible that if proven false would prove the God of the Bible doesn't exist, and the Bible is just made up. In fact, if any parts of the Bible were proven false, then you could throw the whole thing out, because it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So if all scripture is inspired by God, then any parts that are false show that God himself is false. Point number five, evolution. This is a huge subject, so I'll only make a couple of comments on it in this episode. Two of the fundamental issues with claiming that evolution eliminates the need for God are number one, the problem of the origin of life. Evolution has no explanation for how the first living cells, or the DNA that codes the cells, came from. They are both way too complex to have spontaneously popped into existence through mere chance, never mind at exactly the same time and place 
so they could both function as an integrated whole. Number two, there is no evidence that evolution can select for beneficial mutations fast enough to account for the diversity or complexity of the life forms we know of. The common examples cited in support of evolution, such as bacteria developing antibiotic resistance, or the many different breeds of dogs, are actually examples of losing genetic information, not gaining it. Bacteria develop antibiotic resistance because most of the bacteria get killed off except those that are unable to process the enzyme used to kill them. This would normally be a deficiency because now the bacteria have lost an ability that they once had, and so this process is not creating new genetic information, but losing existing information. Same thing with breeds of dogs. Breeders have bred different types of dogs together until they get the ones that have lost all potential genetic variation except the specific traits they want for that breed. The information was all there in the original DNA, but now it's lost. For example, you can breed smaller and smaller wolves together until eventually over a long time and very selective breeding, you can get a chihuahua. But you can't breed chihuahuas together and eventually get a wolf. That genetic information is gone. Okay, that's it for episode one. Let us know what you think in the comments. In the next episode, we'll move to the affirmative side and summarize some arguments as to why God does exist.